All right, coffee and theology. And we're getting started at 808 again. This is crazy. Every week we start the recording right at 808. That's gotta be a good sign. Um, so we uh it is April 6th, Wednesday, April 6th, and we are going to talk about a recent event that happened in in Bob's life, in Bob James's life. Um, that none of us know about on this call. This will be brand new for all of us to hear for the first time. Um, Bob has been um, very, very sick um, over the last six months. Um, and it started with, uh, I think it's it's been some kind of mixture of bronchitis and COVID and pneumonia. And the um, it has really, in, in a sense, changed... Bob's life um, because he has not been working for the last six months or so, um, which came at an interesting time because he was planning to kind of do something different um, career-wise, but then the sickness kind of um, accelerated that. And the um, it, he has really been fighting for his life. I mean, I think it's the way to say that is that he's been fighting for his life. He's not, um, he's had some near near-death experiences um, over the last few months, and especially um, recently, especially in the month of February. And the uh, as we were getting on the call today, Bob said that something um, absolutely transformed his way of looking at the, uh, the gospel. And we could sort of articulate that um, by saying, Things like the cross, the blood, the resurrection, um, the death, the death of um, of God in Jesus, and and the resurrection of God in Jesus, um, and then the blood specifically. And these topics are, as always, um, these are diving into the deep end of of the gospel, and the words that we use can be. Uh, can be triggers for some, um, but if you've been hanging around coffee and theology long enough, you know that um, we have a different glossary of terms at this house church, and um, in our in our way of understanding um, understanding the gospel. So, I was going to go a different direction. We were going to talk about uh, the alabaster box and the woman, the unnamed sinful woman at the feet of Jesus in Luke seven. But it seems good to me and to the others on the call to go ahead and we would say that's kind of a an axe joke. It seems good to us and the Holy Spirit to um, to do this. So I'm excited to hear um, kind of the layering of what occurred in Bob's life because what he said was something I you know nothing really nothing short of calling it miraculous happened to him on Saturday. And I'm interested in that because we have, this has been a fight. This has been, a, he's been fighting for his life. And so I think this is relevant to us today and being in Lent and be coming up to Palm Sunday and coming up to the whole Easter event. I think it's kind of timely if you're talking about the cross and, and the blood and um, yeah. And the resurrection. So Cool. So Bob, yeah. So even just a little bit more about that, one of the things 
in the last few months um, that has been happening and it's just happened over and over and over. It's like this unending cycle that I feel good for a few days and then suddenly one night it would it would in the middle of the night, usually two, three in the morning, all of a sudden I would wake up and realize I was wheezing really bad. And once again, the feeling that, again, I've literally described it as feeling like the air itself, like I was allergic to air because every breath was, I could feel this um, histine explosion happening inside my throat and lungs that was very much akin to what I've experienced throughout my life, uh, especially um, in the 90s, I was when I was in publishing and I was under heavy stress, I moved up in the company till I was a, a vice president of one of the publishing companies and, and worked 60, 70 hours a week, had a company credit card that I would take authors out to um, heavy heavily creamed, as I called them, meetings. <laughs> we go to places like the Fountains here in Tulsa, for those of you who remember that, place where oil money people would go and eat um, rich lobster meals covered in creamy sauces, and then you'd finish up with um, bread pudding covered in bourbon-y, buttery sauce. And I mean, it was just, it was wonderful food, but it was, it's super heavy. And I gained, I went from when I started at that company, I weighed about 195 pounds. And in less than six or seven years, I was up to 250 pounds and um, started getting hives every day. Literally about an hour and a half after lunch every day, I would get talking hives that were either from my chest up, my waist up or my waist down. And on the waist up day, sometimes it would get to my mouth. I would just be all swollen and red, one big giant hive. And I could feel it beginning to get into my throat. And it was almost like in the matrix where the goo covers him and then starts to go down his throat. And the doctor, again, at the time it happened, I went to the doctor finally and um, uh, it one of these hive events occurred because the appointment was at 2.30. So I'm sitting in there in my little gown and he walks in, looks up from the board as he's reading what the ladies had written and my, you know, current stuff trying to, you know, get himself prepared for this next patient. And he looks at me and he goes, what the hell is that? And, and I, and there's this huge blotch on me. And I said, that's the hives I'm talking about. He goes, wait, that's the hives you're talking about? I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, I don't mean to disturb you or anything, but that kind of hives, that's the kind of people die from. That goes into full anaphylactic shock and people die. And I mean, <laughs> I thought it was so humorous that a medical doctor, highly trained medical doctor, broke the number one rule that I learned in Boy Scouts about medical treatment. You get the person calm is number one. And here this doctor was going, I don't want to freak you out, but I'm freaked out. <laughs> and called a allergist immediately. And, and I literally got dressed and drove to his friend, an allergist, 
who then looked at me and said, yeah, and gave me cortisol shots right on the spot and sent me home and came back two weeks later. But anyway, that's what it reminded me of, the way I felt during that time, which was from bad diet, no exercise, lack of sleep, major stress and horrible overeating all coalesced into my body's immune system having no strength to defend itself and i was and when i went to that allergist i was allergic to everything um except for air but now it felt like i was allergic to air like the very air of the earth and um even washing everything throwing rugs out um uh, getting air purifiers, multiple HEPA air purifiers in the home, didn't change it. It Because I thought, you know, well, it could be the allergens, the dust mites and stuff. So that's where I was. And it kept going cycle after cycle. And my body said, not once, not twice, not three, but four separate times, it got so bad. I just told the Lord, I just want to go home because I was so worn out trying to breathe, I'd have to work to breathe in and then work to breathe out. And so four times, I, um, the first in the emergency room the night I was there, and then three more times that were really similar, I just didn't bother going to the emergency room because I had some of the stuff that they fixed me with at home, and even it wasn't working. The nebulizer, albuterol, and prednisone, all the stuff I was taking it, and it was, it was having less and less effect. So it seemed like it was just going downhill and there was going to be no ultimate recovery is what it's felt like. And so it's kind of felt like I've been in, in purgatory um, or hell um, because I even got to the place where I felt like, have I ever, have I ever felt good? If you, any of you have been sick long enough and with a continued um, downward spiral and being stuck in a place that just seems to be an endless loop, after months of that, you eventually can hardly even remember. It almost seems like everything before that was a false memory that maybe was just implanted by some aliens just to make it even worse because it used to be better and then you even doubt that. That's what I've been living in for months. So all that to say, last week as I was preparing um, the Gospel in Three Minutes, I had had several things I wanted to do, and suddenly it just felt like the Spirit began to just have me write what I'm about to read you. And as I wrote it, it was like the Holy Spirit was taking all these desperate, what seemed like different points of theology that the Spirit's been showing me for decades and kind of piece them all point by point, end to end like Legos or giant, um, beautiful, contiguous uh, rope. And with this beautiful overarching thing from the beginning of the Bible to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and suddenly it was like the the clarity of what the Bible has been saying all along was all 
laid out in this beautiful organized fashion and when i finished writing it i got up and read it out loud and as i got to the end i literally began to jump and shout and run around the house and scream at the top of my voice and speak then to my body based on what i just heard and felt this energy i don't know how else to describe it it was like light just from the inside burning out and i felt freer than i remember feeling ever in my life it was it was amazing and i thought wow i have for the first time heard the gospel that's what it felt like and you guys know i'm not saying i'm the expert in the gospel but i have written 90 gospel in three minutes or less versions of ways to see and say what I believe the gospel's all about. So I, it's something that I have spent uh, uh, many, many hours, um, to say the least, looking at what is the gospel? What do I believe the gospel is? It's probably, I've probably spent in the last five years more time looking at that than any other single theological point. So now that said, I'm going to read you what I wrote. Why is it important that we believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus? This may seem like an odd question to some of you, but to others it may push you a bit. I've come to realize that I may not have been as forthcoming with my beliefs, and I feel it's time for me to come out of my theological closet. I believe in the physical arrival upon earth of God as manifested in the actual flesh and bone of a human being whose name was Yeshua, or as we call him, Jesus. I believe he was the seed who was bruised by the serpent. Jesus then crushed that head, showing to all whose children we all belong to, God. I believe that not only did he come to earth, put on a physical body like you and I possess, but that he went about and did miraculous things that have no rational explanation other than the spirit of life moved through him and caused physical changes in the minds and bodies of those he touched and ministered to. Even the elements were subject to him as he changed water into alcoholic wine that made those who drank it giggle. I believe he brilliantly and more than willingly made specific decisions like a chess master over and over at specific times throughout his lifetime so that at the precise time spoken about by many prophetic voices over hundreds of years before he was born was seized at the desire of the leaders of a nation, was tried for blasphemy, found completely guiltless by way of the law, which requires at least two competent voices who completely agree as to specifically what he said that showed was a punishable crime. Despite being found faultless, he was sentenced to one of the most violent, painful, relentless punishments and humiliations ever devised by broken and blind humans. This all at the demand of those same chosen leaders the crowds who followed their leadership, and the current world-dominating nation, Rome. 
This all had, as had been dictated by the first declaration of punishment by the first innocent martyr in recorded history, whose name was Abel of Adam. He demanded of God, the love servant of mankind, to curse his brother as he died. This cry from the ground that the clay would no longer serve Cain as it was designed to included Cain's own body as it was composed of the earth. And so began a curse that has extended to all of the rest of mankind. The earth was no longer our servant and our bodies began to break down as this curse was a powerful spell sent forth by the mouth of one of the princes of the earth. By the power of his voice sent through the very air went forth a binding curse to hem in with obstacles and hold forever those to whom it was sent completely powerless to resist. This curse spread out like a virus to all of humankind for hundreds of generations, affecting millions of people around the globe for millennia. But there was one who by God's loving design had been destined to receive the totality of this punishment once and for all. As Hebrews 9.27 says plainly, and it was so forever appointed to this one man, Jesus Christ, to die for the requests of all. Once in time and for all humanity. This is what happened on the cross. It was the fulfillment of the demands of the first martyr, not just for the hemming in and separation from a happy, joy-filled life in every area of living, but a dark demand for the blood of that one to be poured out upon the very ground of the earth, just as his had been at the hand of his brother, Cain. And so Jesus met that long ago declared demand for justice and spilled every single drop of his innocent blood upon the long awaiting ground. Once done, however, the earth was freed from its obligation to hem in and refuse to lovingly serve mankind as originally designed. The blood of Jesus, once spilled, fulfilled the demand from the lips of the dying Abel. No longer bound by decree from that God of the earth and prince of the power of the air, Abel's words could no longer have any effect on the body of Jesus as it had no blood left in it to claim. Therefore, three days later, it gave up this bloodless body to rise forever alive as mankind was always originally intended. So back to the original question we started with. Why is this important to believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Because as Paul points out in his writings, from which I get all of the above information, as he so eloquently laid out in his original Greek language writings, which, I, which have been obfuscated for the last 2,000 years, you and I were in Christ when all this happened. This was also brilliantly designed by the Father of all life. You, therefore, had your death as dictated by the demands of not only Abel, but anyone from that day to this. Every word 
anyone can ever say over you that demands pain, lack, punishment, must fall down to the ground as it recognizes you as one hidden in Christ. His blood poured out upon the ground permanently and forever satiates the demands that anyone that once could not be ignored. Therefore, the earth and your very body made of the earth must release any punishment and give you the radiant life and joy-filled existence, Abba, the creator of all, who chose you before the very first galaxies formed in the universe when it was released to do so by the words, light be. In light of the above, now let me read the very first scripture I ever translated years ago for what is now known as the Lyric Bible, Ephesians 1, 4. So this is the way God decided to save us. Before the stars were made and gave their beautiful light, before there were oceans and the life teeming within them, or lions majestically walking the great expansive deserts, or eagles soaring above, looking keen-eyed upon the vast and expansive mountain vistas. God, our love-driven, propitious, romantic father, did the wisest, kindest, coolest thing when he placed our very beings hidden in our Lord Jesus, where we would safely ride out the ages with no chance of ever being lost or alone and without hope. You see, Paul points out that not only did you die in Christ in his death on the cross, but more importantly, you were raised to a brand new kind of life designed to be free from sickness, disease, lifelessness, or any other punishment hemming you in from a joy-filled existence forever and ever. Amen. Paul said, quote, if Jesus Christ were not raised from the dead, then neither were you. But I believe Jesus Christ was indeed raised from the dead, and so was I with him, and so were you with him. And that's how I see the gospel, the very, very good news that makes a person leap and jump for joy in eight minutes or less. It takes, it takes years of meditation and study, contemplation and thought to articulate something that wide in eight minutes. Um, succinct, coherent, bold. Yeah, I mean, of course it's bold and those of us that are in the waters of theology all the time and and hearing and studying academia and so on and so forth that it's bold to have faith in the physical resurrection of jesus and i every easter every every easter for eight years i have stood boldly and declared my faith as the same. And um, I don't label 
I don't waver on that. So I stand with you. I stand with you. I stand with you confidently. Okay, I stand with you um, pr and proud, proud to say that I am a believer in the physical resurrection of Jesus. And I was just moved to tears. I, I as you read, I, I just closed my eyes and just absorbed that, absorbed all that you were saying. I think the punishment word is so important in that whole text because there has been a misinterpretation of what of who was doing the punishing where where the punishment came from and this has gotten people for centuries tangled up in a angry in in feeling that there's a lens of an angry god demanding blood and punishing having a punishment for humanity at, at large and putting that punishment on Jesus thereby saving us from the wrath punishment of god and the perspective of the ground and the blood from Abel and Cain um, crying out and the love-driven, propitious, romantic father. I... I you know, I use that scripture every year <laughs> since you wrote it yeah, on, on Easter specifically, and then probably a few more times throughout the year. Um, the love servant of all, the, the, the greatest, the greatest in all things made serves our demand for justice. I, I mean, it's, it's just beautiful. Tell me how you put your body and its ailments in that story. Tell me where you put it. Tell, where did your body get placed in that story? so that it caused you to jump up and receive by faith your understanding of the story where, how, where did that happen so one element that i haven't shared that had been going through my mind all these months in the middle of the night and kelly would sometimes i'd have to go get her or she would hear me and realize it was an extra special bad night and come out and because I would tell her this is this may be it you know um, I think this may be the end and the way again I don't know how else to describe it other than this feeling that even the air itself I was allergic to 
made me think, why did this keep coming back? Why, despite um, attacking it with medication or all the different things that I had tried seemed to be powerless, I began to really think the only thing I could think of that could be this long affecting and so immune to natural um, uh, methods is if someone had literally, someone or someones were praying against me, were, were using the power of their voice to speak out curses over me. And I knew uh, based on some conversations I've had over the years that there were some people who would do might be doing just that because they so disagreed with my stand on the law and um, different things that they have um, said as much in, in uh, conversations and emails and texts that they felt that what I was teaching was dangerous and that perhaps they were out there speaking against me, speaking, you know, praying that, you know, um, God would not, not knowingly, not, not thinking that, you know, they were speaking death to me. But Jesus said, be careful, your words are powerful. Paul said, you know, the power of the tongue is, you know, sets whole forests on fire. Um, that when you are speaking a curse over your brother, you are unleashing hell itself because the, we don't understand that, again, just that God is not the sovereign of the world. We are. Man was given authority. Therefore, man is the sovereign on the earth. And so, um, well, that when I finished writing this and then read it aloud, it was like it was screaming inside of me. There was someone who cursed you, but it was Cain. All the way from the beginning, Cain was enough. That's, that's if there were not the millions of other people who have added to the demands that God, uh, re, in a retributive way, go and wreak havoc on other humans as the slave of man, which he's placed himself as, as Jesus said, the greatest in the kingdom is the one who serves all. God is obviously the greatest in the kingdom, so he serves all. And so I realized it didn't take some of the people that I had in my mind to have sent this curse it's been there all along, all the way back when Cain pronounced it. And that rule of the house made by, declared by him and all the others that we see, which are added throughout the scripture, the law, not, 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 uh, not excluded from that list. Those are just added demands, more and more piling and heaping them upon the father, the ways in which men must be cursed. And so I realized that's what I was sensing. The father was actually allowing me to fully experience the sufferings of Christ, as Paul talked about it, so that it would be so clear in my mind 
And by the way, I've asked for that since I was a little kid. I told God he was he had full authority to lay upon me anything like that in order for me to know and understand more fully the truth of the scriptures and who he is and what Jesus has done. The salvific force of what Jesus's blood does, because it's been an area I just have not fully, fully, fully gotten. But when I did this and all the pieces were laid out, it became so crystal clear to me and so as I stood there, I realized that's what I was experiencing was literally the curse of Cain still manifesting and my earthly flesh made body as breath is the spirit of God coming in and out of us was having an allergic reaction to being made one with the father and it was rebelling as it was told to because again, I won't go into it now, but when I read the section where God goes to Cain and says, your brother's blood is crying out to me, I realized, again, there's a, there's a, there's a missing thing. We, we've been, it's been hidden in the scriptures because of where they put the punctuation in the sentence and where they had the verses that when it says that God suddenly talks about a curse, he's continuing what the blood of Cable, of Abel was crying out. And the word crying out is a word and curse are words that literally mean, when you look up their definitions, it means a binding, hemming curse sent forth to irresistibly surround the one to whom it's sent to cause whatever words are added with this binding spell to wreak havoc upon that individual. That's what Abel's voice and blood cried out and demanded from God. And it and it's all and it's all the things that I said in there, including that our his body made of the earth itself would be a participant in these curses. So I realized I was physically feeling the, the, the curse that I said, someone must be out there, that I, it kept coming to my mind over and over, especially in the night. It was like, holy cow, it was so clear. It's Cain. I mean, I'm sorry, it's Abel. It's Abel's curse. And I realized that's why Jesus's blood had to be poured out and why Paul says Abel's blood cried out, but Jesus' blood cries out a better word. Mm -hmm. Because his is Father, now forgive them, because they're all forgiven. The demands made from the beginning for blood to the ground is now happening. It is now fulfilled. It is finished. And Jesus had said, even post the cross, because the gifts and callings of God are without him ever changing his mind. Once given, God doesn't repent. He doesn't take it back. When he gave all authority on earth to man, he never took it back. He also never gave it to Satan, by the way. It was given to man, and it didn't get to go somewhere else. We can't give what is given sovereignly by God to us. But that's another story. But this... So you, 
Well, I guess I wanted... this blood that he pours out on the ground, he isn't going to take back. That's why from that point on, Jesus says to Thomas, doubting Thomas, touch me. You think I'm a, you think I'm a vapor, but we, but, but uh, physical beings don't, or ghosts don't have flesh and bone. He doesn't say flesh and blood because Jesus is bloodless. Because he, once he's given, he's not going to take it back. That's why, because again, that was another, so many things were answered in this. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's why Jesus's body is still bloodless. And the blood of Jesus is so powerful. And why we're to claim the blood. And all the saints have been saying, there's power in the blood. Why? Even if they didn't fully understand it, it's because it is demanding of that body. Look, the blood has been given. You must relent. You can no longer keep demanding for blood from the cry of Abel from the ground and causing the So, heavy. Bob, right there, right there, just uh, slow down just a minute here because. Sure. That's really where, where I was wanting to like center up because it, it was like, where, how did your, how did Bob's body get inserted into the story? Right. To then receive the benefit of the blood of the blood given, and I I think I'm I it's in because we, if we if we take the story linearly and we're looking at this long 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 timeline of the very right. very very beginning first murder of all man you know first murder to now, and this encompasses our whole history. What are the ways in which the demand is present? It's pre it's a present day demand from ourselves. So in law, because it can't it can't for me it can't just all it it, it originates there, and as we talk so much about fractal revelations it that was the snowflake of all snow of all the snow i right. mean it's it's now us demanding so what about bob's body was demanding how does this come sure. down to you got healed sure you are so healed. Again, legally in law and it just it's common sense in this sense that being the foundation that being one of the first princes abel's one of the first princes of 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 Adam, right? He's a son. So Adam represents the will of mankind. And he's the one that's given authority on the earth. When you have authority, authority is the one who makes the laws. God didn't make the law. Man made the law. Abel is a prince. So he also is in that sense, a co-reigner with Adam and is one who dispenses what the rules are. So when he says, here's the first murder, he's declaring what the, the punishment is from that day forth for murder. And again, Jesus, that's part of why Jesus even clarifies, when you say of your brother, Raka, you're caught, you are a murderer. You've murdered them in your mind. You've murdered them. Because it's going to eventually, whatever you're thinking on is going to be in your imagination is going to eventually come out of your mouth and it is in the air and it's going to it's reek it literally is wreaking havoc so 
He did it from the beginning. So that's a rule. I've understood that my whole life. Those are, that's the way law works. But it's foundational. And it and it's, there's a thing called the law of comedy, not C-O-M-E-D-Y, but C-O-M-I-T-Y, I think, comedy. In, in rules, like if one legislation in one state, their Supreme Court makes a ruling, all the rest of the states in the United States say that we don't have to make that ruling. They made that ruling and they all agree to it. May not be in their constitution, but it's called the law of comedy. That it's this agreement, this this acquiescing to that makes sense. We're applying that equally here. So this type thing is exactly, it's all foundational and found in those type statements in scripture and other writings in the world. The oldest rules give give are the foundation for all the other rules to be laid upon. So when you go back to the source, which this is one of the sources, it's the first time a curse is is uh, de- is is delineated and spoken by one of these humans, Abel, the prince, and it is its effects are are far reaching. They are permanent. They are they are the source of even all the others that are laid upon it. Again, even later. Um, Cain, you see in the story, Cain refers back to, well, if God said this about me, then now I say this about others. See, it's these foundations, and you always lay, each brick is laid upon the foundation. That's how buildings are built. So all of the curses in the world find their 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 lowest foundation upon these words spoken by one of the first clearest words of the law, punishments demanded, justice man style, the God of this world, is found in the words there, buried in the text, especially again, I'm telling you, when I read the Hebrew there, I was like, my mind was blown. I haven't put it down in my my lyric translation, but I'm going to. And that, what I realized, that's what I'm experiencing. That's what the Holy Spirit is allowing me to feel in my body. I am experiencing I knew that I knew these are the very words of Cain or of Abel still emanating out and and causing my body to respond. And once I was cognizant of that, I instantly spoke to my body and I said, body, as I was doing this, I'm running around. I'm like, you are free. The blood of Jesus has been has satiated every demand. You can no longer be held in bondage. You freely now are able to serve me the way that you were originally intended. And now you will only bring me help. You will serve me and give me everything I need, all the nutrients I need, all the health I need in order to fulfill all the things that the father had put in his, had in, in his imagination before the foundation of the earth, all the things, the unique ways that I would be an expression of his love in humanity. And now that's all that awaits me. There is no curse. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Every word that rises up against me must fall harmless. I mean, all of those scriptures, that's what, where they're, what those writers were realizing. This blood of the lamb is the thing that rejects. That's why when the high priest would come out after placing the blood, which represents the blood of Jesus, upon that top of the ark, when he came out, the people all jumped around because they knew it said God received 
the blood. Therefore, the curse was rejected for another year, pushed back because the innocent blood had been accepted. And now for another year, they were free. But that's why Paul said, but that only, it still actually had a negative thing because now the people were like, well, what about the year after that? What if then it doesn't? I only am guaranteed the next year. So that's why it said he sent the blood of the innocent one that perpetually, once and for all, no more re-causing uh, blood once in a year after year after year. It would be forever known. So Jesus's resurrection, when he came from the tomb, is literally the picture of the high priest as he comes out from the Holy of Holies and all the people rejoice. That's why Paul says it's the very receipt that the Father has received the blood and therefore permanently the earth has to re relent on its curse and you're now free forever. And so, Jesus again so even went into it and said, now you're a whole new creation and creature. That's so, that's so beautiful. And so like how would a person listening to this because you have placed yourself so literally and figuratively in the story um, and has, this has become the reality of your body. This has become your reality. How does, how from your perspective would someone participate in what you have experienced? How would someone begin to allow their body to receive the benefit or their spirit what, what how would some where's the entree for someone to to come into this and participate in this in from your perspective how would um, I, I i i um that's a great question um i would say maybe take this and listen to it again and again and again and then when it i believe and I'm just speaking right now, Father, I thank you that your spirit is obviously all over this message today. And as people listen to it again and again, it, it become real that the eyes of their understanding be opened and made aware of the powerful riches that are hidden in Christ, because that's where your life is hidden is in Christ, nowhere else. And when you see yourself as placed in Christ and therefore everything that happened on the cross happened to you. That was the other part of this, by the way, I kept saying. I was in Christ when he died on the cross. I was in Christ. His blood was my blood. Any demand anyone's ever made was already poured out. There's no more. The ground was fully satiated. Therefore, again, it's now free. See, again, it, it can't have any more hunger because 100% of the blood, every single drop. Wait, are you saying, I mean, so are you saying that like the body... So bringing it to our individual body, because this, so what, what produced for you, this faith, this spirit and faith collision produced in you a reception of an actual healing in your body and well, well, the actual wholeness, which we understand the foundation of the whole story is shalom, peace, that you would right. be whole, that right. you would have nothing missing and nothing broken, that my Jesus, my peace, I give you, I bequeath it. This is the law now. Your your whole system is going to operate off of peace. Okay. Right. So we get we get that. And I think that's why we preach. It's why we talk. It's why we why we take communion. <laughs> it's why we communicate. Yeah, it's why we that, communicate. that was tied to healing in the church. 
and it and it's to to bring as many will as will come to the table and come to the communion of this peace uh, of this wholeness and the story i guess the entree the entry the the way in is to hear and to believe and, and to to decide if is this the operating system of this body is this what is this going to be my operation now right. am, am i going to see myself in in christ I, that analogy that that metaphor that uh the old preacher used about um if you put a dollar bill inside of a magazine this is the one that i use every easter if you put a dollar bill inside the magazine and you destroy the magazine or the, the book what happens to the dollar bill it goes the same way as the magazine and so when god placed when when god placed all of humanity inside of christ like that dollar bill whatever happens to christ happens to us and we can receive that gift of righteousness that gift of peace by faith because right. we weren't there at that event but we were there at, at that event by by faith and that we don't have any empirical evidence for that. <laughs> I don't suppose. I do. You, yeah, and I, I knew I would set you <laughs> up to you up to say that you do. Um, I think that so so it, it is by faith. The reception does come by faith because it's it's like a person listening to this who doesn't really see themselves at you know it's it's bold to say that you're you're feeling the curse of Abel. You're feeling the you're feeling that because you asked God for that. You asked God to, at an early age, you wanted the most extraordinary experience of the gospel you could possibly have. And so you have lived your life that way. You have lived your life to the extreme um, in a, as a person of faith. And it, it has not been a casual reception of the gospel for you. This wasn't just something you did on Sunday morning. This is something you gave your whole life to and even included where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also you've you have financially, economically given yourself to this altered, this actual way that you see the gospel. So um, it sounds extreme. I mean, it really does. It, the, the whole thing sounds just so extreme that that and so exciting that a brain and a mind could actually see themselves in the full story, which I think is the gift of your, of your unique perspective. And I say yes to that. And I say yes for all, for all of us um, as we're coming to a close that this, that this word of peace and health would grow inside of everybody that is listening. And I agree with your words earlier saying, yeah, it, it is to, continue to meditate on this the real meditation of uh and I, i'm just there's a piece for me before we close there's a piece for me about it being present like being in the present what like if we are a microcosm of the macrocosm if the whole gospel exists in me and the entire story from the beginning to the end lives in me which parts of me are demanding punishment of myself and of others? 
and which part of me needs somebody to pay because th- those words didn't stop with Abel. Right. They continue. And that, and that's what I think you're saying is like the, those words, because that issuing that, 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 um, publication is still happening it's a it's copied into every human that comes into the planet earth exactly this is why the story of jesus why he said just real quickly to finish up this point to get it over into that segue one of the key stories that jesus gave about this the parable was when the 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 ungrateful servant he's forgiven and then he goes out and immediately grabs a hold of somebody and doesn't pass on freely he was given freely he did not give and so Jesus said, in the exact same way, the kingdom's going to work in your life. If you, you, you get, each of us get to choose. Do you want to live in the old, able, justice demanding reality? Or do you want to live in the new reality under the new kingdom of God that Jesus came to pay for with his, literally with his blood? That's why he says, this new kingdom is paid for in my blood. You're going to have entrance into it. But you have to then receive and say, my sins and everyone else's were forgiven. It's, it's all or nothing. So Because if you, if you do not forgive I, your brother, I, he said, you're the father, you're not. You, you're I was not just going to say, I was going to say, and you just said the word sin, because I, I was going to call our alert, alert our listeners to what, what wasn't being said through this whole gospel. You never mentioned the word sin. So through, through your whole and and a, a finely tuned listener would would hear the difference because where the focus has been for centuries is on sin, sin, morality, and behavior, and where you put the emphasis on this this way is on a, a systemic change. It's a systemic change that releases us from it releases us from a punishment or it allows an, an entire new creation to come into being, which has been always there, always there for us to see and to receive, but ridiculous lenses of being, having sin focus. But then you said, you, then you went ahead and kind of allowed some more people to enter into that and say, well, your sins and my sins are forgiven. If that's kind of where somebody is and needs to feel that, um, what a beautiful story today. What a beautiful message. It's, it's, it's story doesn't feel like the right word for it because it's so much better than <laughs> so much better than the story. And and I just encourage everybody, find yourself in the story. Find yourself just like Jesus did, is finding himself in the word. And the word finds himself in the word, finds himself in the word, finds ourselves in the word. We speak the word and we have a different experience because we simply are represented by the one and and if we can see that i believe our lives will be changed forever god bless you as this word becomes rich in your hearts today